Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Texas. Today is week two in a four-part series focusing on empowerment and capability for the new year. It's a new year. It's a time to be empowered. And today I'm going to talk with MBA, best-selling author, feminine leadership active advisor and coach, international speaker, the host of Feminine Power Time podcast, speaker and uh, retreat leader, Christine Arayo, Arayo. And so it's a joy to welcome Christine to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Thank you, Paul. And hello, everybody. It's it's great to be here. We're we're alive. We're well. We're we're going to be coming more and more empowered. So what could be better than that? We'll be focus, focusing on uh, Christie's latest book. It's entitled "Overwhelmed and Over It." I love that title. Overwhelmed and over it. Uh, embrace your power to stay centered and sustained in a chaotic world. And uh, Sometimes that world does seem to be very chaotic and scary and dangerous, but uh, we have power over that. We have the power of consciousness, and we'll talk a lot about that in today's show. Uh, the, the book is written primarily for women, and although women have a uh, often different set of challenges from men, I, I found much of the book helpful for me, too, as a man. And uh, so I think anybody reading it can uh, can glean a lot of information from it. Um, the the principles and the tools that are laid out uh, are effective for for any human being um, struggling to to move beyond feeling overwhelmed and into a more uh, harmon- harmonious and um, balanced way of living their lives uh, in the rhythm of uh, the the powers within. So let's talk about the book. Um, it isn't my fault if I'm overwhelmed, right? That's right, Paul, but you do have the power to change it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that my fault? Did well, I bring it on myself? Oh, gosh. Well, that is no, no. Well, yes, no, no. So, so, so I'll, I'll back it up for a moment. So I just want to say for anyone out there that is feeling overwhelmed or feeling like things aren't like no matter how hard you work or how hard you try, just never seems to get into alignment. What Paul just said is absolutely right. It's actually not our fault. The subtitle of overwhelmed and over it used to be 
um, before we changed it to how do we stay um, centered and sustained in, in a embrace your power to stay centered and sustained in a chaotic world, the subtitle was overwhelmed and over it, why it's not your fault and how to find the power to change it, which uh, became then the introduction is really the underlying theme. So it, it is, it is um, reason it's not our fault, and I think we'll talk a lot about this today, is that we are living in a world that in all intensive purposes has kind of been built for burnout and overwhelm and has been unsustainable for a long time. If we get past just everyone kind of thinks, oh, it's 2020 and not 20, but back it up, back up the truck and let's go back, you know, to the to the 80s, to the 90s, even before we have just been ratcheting up the pace, we've been ratcheting up the speed, we've been ratcheting up the expectations. And so we're just at that boiling point where there's just no more, like we can't keep operating this way. And so Paul, you and me, and all of us, even if we are spiritually minded, even if we're conscious, we're all imprinted with these imprints of a, a culture that's often referred to as an overculture. And the overculture is a coined term by Clarissa Pincola Estes, who wrote the book, Women Who Run With Wolves. And it means basically the crazy mad culture that we've all assimilated into to try to survive. And so that's why we, it's not our fault because we've been imprinted in all, in all these different ways that we don't even understand yet because you can't change what you can't see. Ah, here's where the power comes in. Once you can see it, the question is, will you embrace your power to change it? And that's where, while we don't have, it's not our fault, it's not about fault, it's about being aware of how the system and we ourselves have created unsustainable realities and then embracing our power to do things differently. Yeah, last last week we talked about, uh, you know, the invisible yardstick of perfection, you know, perfectionism, which is part and parcel of this, isn't it? It's the idea, if, if I push hard enough and I, I struggle and I strive hard enough, I, I, can, I can succeed, right? Um, I can make it all work out. And and sort of that's the opposite of what you're talking about, you know, which which is yeah, you, that's only going to lead to more and more over, overwhelm, and and buying into that whole system, you know, of having to be perfect all the time, uh, is a terrible disservice. And I think that's very true for women, you know, because part of the 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 the, the former empowerment of women, um, you know, is this idea that you're capable, you could do everything, you know, you're a superwoman. And and you reference this too, you know. This, this but that's that's only half the story, right? It it sort of pushes women to into a corner, if you like, in, instead of being the whole holistic, rounded beings that they are. They are, they have to be, women have to be a certain way, and I think that's not just women. You know, men in in the corporate world, for instance, you know, have to be a certain way, right? And um, it's so it's so ultimately disempowering to the the spirit, right? Oh, well, it's, I mean, just, it sucks the spirit and the soul right? <laughs> and the right heart out right, yeah. right out of everything. As I was, I, st I started researching the deeper roots of overwhelm and burnout about a decade ago. And my background is I, I grew up in the kind of corporate world as my first career. And then I became an entrepreneur, social impact entrepreneur in 2006. And I, Unity actually was part of my awakening process. Um, I found Unity when I was 30. And it just, it's been a foundational part of me understanding that there's a, there are many realities. <laughs> which, one, which one do I want to choose? And really help right. me come back to a deep sense of power, but also really getting that my power comes from my heart. Now, as much my mind, my higher mind, yes, but my heart, my higher mind and my body. And one of the things that I got to under the, the roots of this overwhelm 
is that in our culture, which we're all part of and we're all imprinted in, is that we look at power in a very distorted way. So what we think is powerful, which is like push, strive, be bigger, be tough, you know, be invincible for women, be like Wonder Woman or be like, you know, man, like Superman, like all of that power is a it's distorted, but it's distorted masculine power. And it's not even masculine. A lot of times when I do work with leadership, people will say, well, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be so masculine. I don't want to push. I don't want to have to drive. I don't have to strive. I'm like, well, that's not, it's masculine power, but it's distorted masculine power. And we're very divorced in the society. And we're also very divorced, even within those of us that, that practice mindfulness and spiritual concepts from the feminine because we haven't been trained. What is the feminine? And so underneath a lot of this is we're not, we don't value the more feminine way. So we're operating at kind of like half our power. So for like a, a very literal example is we overvalue the intellect, which is the logic, the rational, the mind, the mental, you can see it. That's masculine power. The feminine is intuition. And intuition is about feeling and sensing. It's about the unseen. It's about not, you know, it's, it's, it's about those other, those other intuitive instinctual forces. And so in our culture, as it comes to like dreaming and visioning and goal setting and all of that, we want answers. We want, we want to know, we want to get to the thing and we want to do the thing. And we operate very quickly. We, we are a culture based on speed, but the intuition and the divine and deeper wisdom and expanded possibility, it requires us to slow down. They always say your intuition doesn't work at Google speed, but when it comes to actually slowing down, it freaks us out. <laughs> you know, we were like, oh my God, if I slow down, like I won't achieve, I won't be safe, I won't have what I need. And, and, and those are some of the deeper pieces inside of ourselves that cause us to strive and drive and work too hard and say yes to a culture that's not really working for any of us. Right, and I think that's so true. You know, the idea that we stop, for instance, and take time out to to re renew whatever is seen as a wasted time, you know, because if, if I'm not doing something, then I'm not really being truly productive. And that is such a sabotage strategy because actually, you know, taking time out, you know, there's that famous uh, quote about Gandhi, you know, when he knew he had a stressful day, he'd, he'd meditate for two hours instead of one hour, right? Because he needed to get ready for his day. Um, it, it, and that's the, what we're talking about here. It, it, to take time apart to to renew is, is actually our best friend, right? Because it enables us then to effectively go into our day, you know, with a, a totally different consciousness. But it's really hard to reset sometimes or or reimagine what it's like to be alive, what it's like to be a human being, you know, what, what's productive, what's... Um, What's going to be acceptable? Because so often we're not, I've seen it over and over, you know, strong women, for instance, empowered women are so often, you know, considered to be uh, the B word or nasty women or whatever, you know, um, and, and that is such a disservice, you know, to, to womankind in general, right? But also to our society that we would go there. Well, and part of it is, 
there's like, well, there's two places we can go. You tell me which way you want to go, Paul. So we could go down the, the time space piece because there's a whole part about time and space that is about getting out of overwhelm because time, if you keep working with time, you're going to stay in overwhelm. So we go that route or we could go the route of, um, of, uh, of women showing up strong, seeing, being seen as, as um, you know, being labeled. Um, so which way do you want to go? You decide. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't mind. They're all, they're all good. Let me just point out to the, listeners though the, the 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 book is divided into five parts so you you get to, to liberate yourself in various ways and the, the first one's liberate your success and then liberate your life force li liberate your heart uh, liberate your time and liberate your power and uh, you talked about time you know the time and space right the time time is kind of linear isn't it it's um there's only so much time, right? But the, we know that that's not true if we've ever meditated and you, you're, you know, or ever had an epiphany where you think it's timeless and it only went on for a second or whatever, or when you're really absorbed in something, the time passes and, and you had no clue you'd spend so much time on that because you were so engaged. So time is very flexible because it's really not, it doesn't exist, right? It is part of uh, the larger continuum of, of this spaciousness that, that, you know, is infinite, right? Infinite possibilities. So, you know, and I think that's true in the rest of the book where you talk about moving beyond conditions, you know, that we've convinced us we're a certain way, but then there's another way of looking at it, right? There's a more expansive way. Um, and I love what you, you have, you have uh, releasing and embracing, releasing old patterns and embracing new ways of looking at things, which is very uh, unity, you know, the, the idea of release and affirmation or denial and affirmation. It's, um, it's saying no to the things we no, no longer serve us, right? So that we can say yes to, the, to a new uh, way of, of looking, which is, is wonderful, actually. It frees us. And, and yet we can still achieve as much, right? We can still um, do all the things we need to do, but we're no longer burned out doing them. Yes, well, because you're the. Uh, um, I just am so enjoying our conversation, Paul. Everybody, I, there's like so many parts we could we could we could take that part in, and it is the 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 one of the things I I found in my research was, and what became the structure of overwhelmed and over it are these twelve imprints that are in us, and they're not just mental beliefs. So you know, we hear we, we use the word affirmation a lot, which is a really good word, and affirmations are really powerful if we see them beyond just the the mind, because these imprints yes. are not just mental, they're emotional, but they're, they're the heart, I always say, kind of makes the mind have its thought. So you got to work the emotional realm, plus it's cellular. These imprints are deeply ingrained in our, in our cellular makeup, in our physical body, in our physical somatic memory. And they're also in our, in our energetic field. So it's why, like, like we all say, like, here would be an example. I know we've all heard this. You need to get good rest. You need to eat good food. We all know how to take care of ourselves. We've been talking about self-care and stress management for decades and decades and decades. But things are worse, not better. <laughs> you know, it's like there are actually people are less happy. More people are on depressants. More people feel like they don't have what they need. More people feel alone, like we're going the wrong direction. Why is that? Because you can't, you can't solve this with the seven-step process. You can't solve this with just like, if I just do this thing that will be different. We have to look at these deeper pieces within us. And one of these parts, these imprints, and I'll just, I'm going to open up the book to chapter nine, which is release, make, and find more time. 
So just thinking about that, how many times have you said, oh, if I could just make more time or I need to find more time or I don't have enough time. We are like, we operate in like time bankruptcy <laughs> all the time, right? We don't, and, and that's, I hear people say it all the time, but time as Paul said, and Einstein talked about, and many of both yogic scientists and also metaphysical scientists and also traditional, um, you know, material world scientists all agree that time is a man-made construct. So think about this, you all, for a moment. One of the root reasons underneath burnout in, is that we have all these man-made systems that we think, oh, this is how things work. So, and we just, we just think this is how it has to be. But every system, think about this for a moment, that exists on the planet, government, educational, um, financial, all of it, the whole the market system, how we, how we operate, it's all man-made. People made it, we made it up, which means we can make something different. And so we have to look to the natural world to see how does the natural world work? It's been here for longer than us. It seems to grow and replenish naturally. What are those natural cycles? So if you keep operating on time, I like to joke that um, wise women and wise men know the truth about time and the secrets of creating space. And we choose to work with both. So the imprint that we're embracing instead is to create and claim space. So the practice becomes, this would be like a simple way of like, okay, I'm tracking Christine. Christine was saying, what Paul is alluding here to is that Einstein said this time is basically the only value of time, seven days a week, 12 months a year, is to, so we can set appointments and agree to things happening over a time span or like, how would you ever make a doctor's appointment? <laughs> you know, just well, I intuitively think I'm going to show up at two o'clock. Um, so it's like, we need these constructs, but if you run your life, if you run your expectations by this, then you get stuck on that overculture, which is grow, 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 faster, 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 more, more, more. And you're always looking for time, but time isn't lost. So you can't find it. You can't make more time. There's no time kitchen but you can create space. So one of the first things I always encourage people to do is to get conscious of your time talk. And notice how your time talk is actually creating stress and pressure and limitation. So Paul, you said something, you used a very common phrase people use. They say, oh, well, I need to take time off to mm -hmm. I need to take time off to replenish. And I always say, pause, take time off of what? Are you an indentured slave? <laughs> you know, are you like off for good behavior? Are you in prison? Like just think, time off of what? Like, and this is part of that whole work-life balance construct of like either I'm working or I'm taking care of my life or, and it, it doesn't work that way. So it's like, I always say, you don't take time off of your life. You're just choosing to focus your, your time, which is a resource in your energy in a different place. And so just that would be one way. Stop saying make time, I need to make time, I need to find time, I'm taking time off. And it requires you to use more words, but you find more empowering words like, you know, I need really need to create space for, or I really need the space to, or I, instead of, you know, instead of, instead of doing this, I'm actually going to be focusing the next two weeks on this. And all of a sudden, it's like all the space opens up and that's how you end up working with the universe. That's, that's where you start working on the power of co-creation. And I love it because it's, and you mentioned the, the word cycles and then that's repeated throughout the book, right? Instead of looking at it in a linear fashion, um, it, it, we look at it, like you said, from mother nature, 
Mother Nature says everything in, in cycles, right? It's, it's not limited to, there's no straight lines in nature, as they say, right? Um, because the, the nature doesn't operate that way. Um, but you know, if we if we insist on having it that way, then we're we're slaves to that. Like we like you said, we're slaves to the the constructs that we created. You know that, uh, and they they serve us um, well in, in one level, right? But they're they're not there to answer everything. We're we're way more um, There's way more multiplicity and and wonder within us than than just that simple linear pattern. Um, and we're suffering from that, I think, in our society right now. You know, this this div division between, uh, you know, one side or the other, and and um, forcing things through, and and you know, instead of understanding that we're part, of, we're all in this together. We're part of an organic whole, and if we're going to have success, we're going to have to realize that, right? There's going to have to be a shift in the way we do business. Yeah, we can't get to unity if we don't see the duality that we've created as a human culture. Right. Yeah. And the spiritual teaching is that you that one wants to be able to stand in the center of duality. That's how and to be with both parts without going off into the distortions, without going off into, you know, overgoing into any one level. And then that's what actually allows you to elevate into unity consciousness. And you can't get to unity consciousness if you don't see the dualities in our own lives, in our own system. So we see this, I call it, it's called the duality reality. You have work, like work-life balance, right? So work on one side, life on the other is how this shows up in our work life. So if you think about that, all of a sudden you're like, okay, work is one part of my life. And then everything else is supposed to fit into life. <laughs> you, yeah. know, like, you know, like what kind of like, what reality does that create? Well, it creates for those people who are like working parents. You think, oh, like I'm, I have this, like I'm either with my kids or I'm, or I'm, or I'm at work. But any parent, if we're honest, it's parenting is work. It is a job. It is one of the most important jobs, I think, on the planet. And I, I was interesting that I say that because I actually chose not to be a parent in this lifetime and use my mothering energy and creative energy in different ways. But if, until we embrace as a society that parenting is work, it's going to keep getting slotted in on the side. And then it, we're never going to, we don't have the constellation. We're stuck in this line of like work, life, work. And then where, do, where does, how is everything else supposed to fit over there? And so people start talking about work life integration i'm like still duality reality <laughs> it's like it's not it, and it's just like our political system democrat pub, republican until you get out of that linear line we'll never never be able to create a society based on peace and the indigenous people knew this indigenous traditions around the world are very connected to nature and if you think about america and how it was founded it took a lot of stuff from the indigenous people of 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 what's called Turtle Island, but they left out, they forgot, they didn't do the circle. They, they changed the shape. It was just looking at a picture of me when I was in England a couple of years ago and I'm at, and I'm at Avebury where the stone circles are at. Like the circle is a very natural rhythm. So when I work with people and I, I talk about time, actually I was just showing this to, um, slide to somebody, the, this picture the other day, is when I show a calendar, the calendar is circle. So everyone just kind of think about this for a second. So normally we think of our year, since we're kind of at the beginning of the year here, like, like speedboat racing, a line. We start in January and we push through 
<laughs> until December. And then, well, if you live in Europe, you get a holiday at least, you know, <laughs> that's in the culture. But if you live in America, no holiday for you. You get a week, um, maybe two if you're lucky. And then you get to the end of December and you fall over in a heap. And then we all overindulge because we've been so deficient in what we need to be nourished and nurtured because we waited, right, for that one week that we take off or that that two weeks at the end of the year. But if you didn't see it as, as a linear line, but thought, thought of it as a circle, what you would see is you would see what are called the four quarter turns of, um, of energy that shift, the four seasons, but they're, they're not indicative to where you live. They're true on the whole planet. So think of a circle and on the bottom you would have winter solstice or December solstice. On the top you would have June solstice. So those are the mid-year points. And then at the, at the left and right, those are the equinoxes. And so one of my top three practices for staying out of overwhelm and burnout and actually staying focused on what matters is I live my life and I run my business and I, and I work with my intent, intentions more like a sailboat than a speedboat. So instead of pushing through and going to my destination, I tack every quarter and I give myself the space to stop and pause and be, where am I? I call it a power pause. So top three practices, pausing at these, at these time periods. So December solstice and really all of January and in the indigenous traditions is called the dreaming month. So we spend the whole month really feeling into where do I want to focus? What's calling me? And then you set your seeds and plant, okay, around February 1st-ish, this is what I'm saying yes to. And we emerge into solstice, to equinox. And then you pause and you say, okay, like what's happened in the world? What's going on? And then you refocus and then you tack and you go through and then you get to the middle point of the year and you take a mid-year power pause. What's happened? What's growing? What's not growing? What do I let go? What do I need? What's the support I need? And then you do the same thing again in September. And what that does is it actually gets you into the natural rhythm. Plus it's a really good way to not just plan, but really path. It's how you deal with uncertainty. You don't get overwhelmed because you're in relationship to the field, in relationship to the universe, and you're getting information about how to respond to whatever's happening in the field. Right. You know, and the, using the analogy of the boat, uh, the power boat versus the sailboat, you know, you'll never get as fast in a sailboat as you are in a power boat, but you don't see much in a powerboat, especially if you're going 30, 40 miles an hour, you know, uh, or you're just cutting through the water. Whereas a sailboat, you know, the sailors are attuned to the breeze. They know they know when a breeze is coming, when a puff's coming. Um, they they read it. They read all the various subtle things that, that are available. And so, and so it's a holistic experience. You know, you're seeing and experiencing a lot more. Uh, than if you're just cutting through the water fast. Now, okay, you get the, the blast of going fast, and that's about it, right? And uh, you know, but but the sailboat is, is it offers so much more. So you, we're we're attempting to be more more sailboats, I guess, than than just uh, powering through life. We are, and if you think about a sailboat, it, it, it's very analogous to how we create sustainable success. Is we have different rhythms in our lives. Yeah. So sailboat, sometimes it's intense, like you're like on the side of it, and you're like, whoa, like we are jamming, right? And other That's times true. you're just kind of flowing around, floating, you know. And other times you're like just kind of chilling. And and we can talk more, you know, about this. Paul is that there are these different levels of intensity that we're meant to be in throughout the course of a year. But if you're always at that speedboat level, always at that just on the edge, you're gonna burn out. Here we are at the break. Um, I'm with uh, Christine 
Arayo, and we'll be back in a few minutes after these messages from Unity. Join us then. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Christine Arayo, and we're talking about her book, Overwhelmed and Over It. And uh, we've been talking a lot about cycles and, and uh, the rhythms of the seasons. And one thing you, you offer, just let, let's t- talk about this briefly, and then we'll move on to some other topics. But you offer a harmony wheel, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things we've been talking about is you release one imprint, right? And so you want to embrace an, a new one. You need, you need something else to put in its place. So the old imprint is work-life balance, which you've established is a bad deal. Don't do it. And so then what do we do, right? And it's also not just about balance, because if you think about the word balance, the word balance means equilibrium. So you want, you can, you know, when none of us have a life that is totally still, like that's just not how we live. We live very dynamic lives, diverse lives. So balance is often misused even. So balance is really what, what we want with balance is we want to cultivate an inner balanced. We want to feel balanced within emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally. So it's a state we want to feel. It's not a way to design and constellate your life. So keep thinking in your mind's eye, kind of think of any of these duality realities, think of it like a line. So work-life balance, black, white, Republican, Democrat. And in that line, all you can do is create a tug of war and it will create that reality in your life. So this is partly why we, it's not our fault because we've been stuck in these paradigms, why we haven't solved the political situation, why we haven't solved the stress and work imbalance. So you need a different shape. So we're gonna go back to the circle. And the circle, this is what I just wanna say as I explain the harmony part, is that some of these things I'm sharing with you all may sound really simple and may even um, sometimes people woo-woo them or they poo-poo them and be like, let's just be more serious. <laughs> and I'm like, don't discount the simplicity of what Paul and I are talking about today with all of you and sharing as insignificant. It often is these simple structures and ways of shifting things that cause the biggest impact. So if you were to, to stop thinking of your life like a line, whether it's time or it's the construction of work life, and think of it as a circle, and you stand in the center of the circle and around you are, are, it's like a compass and there's eight different spirals that are around you and you're standing in the center. Those spirals in the north, south, east, west, and then in between are, are the different realms of your life. And in my research, what I found is that there's really eight different realms of a harmonized life. And so the new imprint that, that, I, that I, I use in my life and I've taught and I teach and I live by is instead of trying to constellate my life to be balanced, we want to cultivate harmony amongst all the different parts and pieces. So our job is to be like the conductor and the choreographer who stands in the center and we need to be balanced emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. So think of like a conductor who's in that place of centeredness. And then you have all those parts of your life that are around you. So you have your own emotional happiness. You have your intimate relationships. You have your physical health and home. You have your spiritual connection. You have your sacred work and career. There's, again, these eight different realms. 
think of it just like a symphony or an orchestra. And if you tried to play your symphony and play all of those parts at the same time, you wouldn't get a harmony, you would get a cacophony. And if you didn't rest some of those parts and, and create a different rhythm, can you imagine like a tuba player just playing for 12 months straight and not breathing? Like what would happen? The poor guy would like turn purple and, you know, the string player's fingers would get bloody. But yet that's how we run our lives. We, we, we push and push and push until we get sick or we burn out and we wait for that to happen. And so I'm encouraging us to, to look at our lives as a circle in time, but also, um, but also to like think about, oh, so if I was to cultivate harmony, which is the, the root of the word harmony is about is, is wellness and creating congruence among the different parts. Take a breath that allows you to have a pace to your life that is sustainable. So there will be times of intensity, there will be times of flow, there will be times of lyricalness, just like in any other symphony. And then you are both alive and creative and there's also space to breathe and there's also space to just work at a more sustainable pace. I love it. And it's, you know, about, uh, as you say in the book, giving and receiving, right? So. Some, you know, in the Bible, it says it's more blessed to, to give than to receive. And maybe that that's true to a degree, you know, because we don't want to be selfish. We want to be expansive. And, and giving is, is something we, we want to do naturally when we understand the flow. But there's also this sense of um, in, in order to restore harmony for ourselves, you know, we have to receive as well. Right. It's OK to receive. Some people I know, they, they love to give but they like presents and whatnot. They have a hard time receiving one, right? Um, oh, no, I don't deserve it or whatever. But it's it's so nurturing, isn't it? Not not from a selfish point of view, but, it, but from a, a deeply healing point of view to, to receive on a daily basis, right? To be there, to be open and receptive, to claim our good, if you like, as we would say in unity. It's it's yeah, it's not only good, Paul and everybody, it's actually it's actually essential. So I would imagine everybody here listening and in part of this conversation with Paul and I right now, you care, right? You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be applying and studying the principles of unity if you didn't care about this world. If you didn't care about the people and the animals and the plants and the trees and you didn't care, you didn't care, you wouldn't be here. So we all that are here, we, we desire to make an impact in this world and, and bring more love and peace and harmony. But if we try to do that, in the old way, which is give and give and give and give and give and give and oh, give some more, <laughs> keep giving until you're empty. You're, you know, you're, you're basically operating like a bank who doesn't take any with it, it, any deposits, just gives withdrawals. You're not going to make it. Like we, you, like we need your light. We need you to be vital. We need you to be emotionally, mentally, physically supported, so that you can be the brightest light possible. And that imprint of it's better to give than receive. I remember when I was writing my second book, Madly in Love with Me, and I was writing the, the, the which is all about self-love and the 10 different kinds of self-love. I was writing about self-care and I'm like, what is the thing that keeps us from doing the things that we know are good for us? And and what came up was, Paul, that, that imprint of like, which I also wrote about and overwhelmed and over it, is it's better to give than receive. 
And it was so interesting, you all, because I'm like, what? Who wrote that? That is wrong. Like, that cannot be. And I'm, <laughs> I call out to Noah, who's my, my partner in life and love and business. He's my first line editor. He's about six foot two, clean shaven, handsome, kind, loving man. And I say, Noah, who wrote this craziness? This It's better to give than receive. And he just, Noah's very like calm. So he gets very quiet. And he just looks at me. He says, Christine, we don't know how to break this to you. But Jesus is said to have <laughs> said that. I was like, mm, I can't really go walking around saying Jesus is, you know, the JC is like, he's wrong. So I thought about it for a moment. I'm like, you know, I think we have a missed in translation situation. If we just change one word, then to and, it's better to give and receive. That changes everything in a way that doesn't take away from others. And I think that's the shadow distortion. It's a feminine distortion. So if the masculine power distortion is be big, be strong, be invincible, be like the superhuman people, the feminine power distortion is being a selfless caregiver, the martyr. Right. That in, and it's like, oh, I just give everything to my family. Oh, I give everything to my mission. And and that that isn't, we don't want to carry that forward with us, either of those. And the truth is, for any of you listening, if you are more likely to be selfless than selfish. And if you're not already a narcissist, you can't become one. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, so it's like we, most people don't have, we, you don't have to, in this culture, I mean, it, it needs an adjustment for sure um, in that, but most of us, you don't have to worry, you have to worry more, you have to be more aware of how you overgive. And, and I, and I think we are, we are very um, conditioned not to receive, whether it's a compliment, right? And then we say, oh, this old thing. And, or yeah. if you're on an airplane as a woman and a man asks you to take down his back, I've seen so many women be like, no, 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 I've got it. I'm just like, you can help me. You're bigger and stronger than me. Go, go, you go right ahead, physically stronger. And, or, or even like for me, I noticed this in my, um, I really noticed this in my business and my work when I became an entrepreneur and I became a, you know, mission-based social impact entrepreneur the ways in which I would overgive. And I've identified 13 ways we overgive. And one of the ways I overgave is I would overgive to, I would want to make sure that all of the people who worked with me, so as employees or as um, most of them were consultants, that they were financially taken care of. So I structured my business and structured the way I paid them often by paying them, paying them to try to make them be okay and that I would never have enough for me, which meant I always then had to keep working and doing more. So my company, my business was generating a lot of money, but there was never enough because more was going out than was staying within. And I was overextending my generosity, my, my life force, my money, my energy. And I had to really look at that about like, why am I taking responsibility for these people's financial well-being? and get deeper into that. And part of what I found is that over-responsibility piece of, uh, you know, that, and it was disempowering to them and it was, it was, it was overwhelming to me. And that's part of what I'm asking everyone to do as we start this year. And really for the rest of your life is look around your relationships and look around your work design and notice where am I over-giving 
my life force, my time, my energy, my resources in a way that isn't sustainable and isn't in harmony anymore. It might have been in harmony for a time, but actually it's requiring a shift. And we want to shift before we get to the distress and the disease. Right. Absolutely. I just want to defend Jesus for a minute. <laughs> I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, you know, when we're negotiating and navigating our, our you know, successful humanness on this planet, right, to be integrated beings. I think what, what he's saying, though, is, is from a, you know, a higher level of spiritual awareness, right? I think the Course in Miracles, for instance, says um, to give is to recognize that you have mm -hmm. received, right? When you're yeah. When you're giving from that uh, open-hearted spiritual place, you recognize I've been given everything by by God or spirit or whatever. And so I'm part honoring that by being part of the flow. Um, in Hafiz in the Sufi tradition, he says, uh, you know, after all these years, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Um, and he says, look what happens to a love like that. It lights the whole world. Mm -hmm. And it, that's that's the higher level of this, I think. You know, ultimately, the, the expansive, compassionate heart is what we're talking about. But that's very different, right, from when we're negotiating and, and um, maneuvering through our lives uh, where, where we have to create harmony and balance, uh, you know, so that we're not overgiving. Um, but, but at the highest level, you know, we find the saints and masters who, you know, have endless energy to give because they're, they're, they're functioning like open conduits to the limitless, right? And that, that's a pretty high level of functioning. So we, we may be not quite there yet, right? So it is even, well, Jesus, even Jesus had to take time apart, didn't he, to, re to renew, right? Spent whole nights uh, in prayer sometimes. So he had to receive as well. He did. We we had like we were talking about the at that higher levels of spiritual um, of of spiritual beingness. We are opening to receive grace, and right. we're opening to receive the flow. And we understand that the flow is coming through the divine, through the universe, through God. It's not coming from a person or a corporation. It's actually even with love. You know, it's like I remember receiving has been one of my. Um, pieces of curriculum for a long time. In fact, last year, every year I set a, I create a, a mantra or a theme for the year. And last year, my theme was open to receive. That was my focus for the year. It's like opening to receive on all, all different levels. And for me, there's um, one of the things I also uncovered was there's eight different kinds of burnout. Physical is the last place that burnout shows up in your body. There's compassion burnout, survival burnout, Passion burnout is what I often still suffer from. I very rarely get physically burned out anymore because of the practices that I do. But I get passion burnout. And passion burnout is where you love what you do so much and you just keep giving and giving and giving. But then your soul isn't actually being nourished, that human part of you. And right. we are humans, right? We're not ascended masters. Um, we are human beings. And we need to tend to that. We're here to savor this life. Like This is an amazing, beautiful place. Like We need to savor that the soul needs joy for nourishment. And so I have to watch it that I don't become just like a passion you know, creation machine. I'll just keep, you know, and I love my work. But... But then I, but then that has a negative impact on me, and so I, I need to make sure I'm receiving what, what. If you're a person who, who serves a lot of people, or you're in connection to a lot of people, those people and their energy gets into your psychic field, 
and your mission is in your psychic field. And so if you're not creating space, you say like Jesus, he would like, he would go on retreat, right? So it's like these like power pause times, those quarter points, those are times of retreat. So I do that. That's my yearly cycle. Those four times, I always take about a three and a half day retreat and I retreat. I retreat from the world. I don't, I don't take anybody. No, no one is allowed in my psychic space. I'm on, so, but I also do that weekly. So one of my weekly practices is the Sabbath and every Saturday, Friday, usually after sundown, I'll be real with you all, but Friday sometime evening until Sunday, Sunday around 11, Saturday, no working, no thinking, no strategizing, no, no tapping into the needs of the world. Um, and, and if I don't take that Sabbath and that space, I don't function as well. I'm not as happy. I get crabby. I, I'm off my game because I'm not receiving the space that I need. And it's the same thing with our morning practice and our evening practice. So you can see how I'm breaking it down day, week, year. So a lot of people here probably have morning practices. But do you have a way to downshift? Because just like, you know, the day starts, it also ends. So we need that. We need a way in the week to take a breath, to have space, to set it all down, to walk away. We need it monthly. This is why I follow the moon cycle. And every new moon is a reset. And then the yearlies at the power pauses, at those four corner points. If you start creating space in that rhythm, you will be able to have exactly what you just talked about, Paul, about like right. the, the, the people that have so much energy running through them. We're not exhausted. We're not burned out because we're, we're receiving the space we need and giving our creative gifts fully, both and. Well, you know what I found in my life also is, uh, you know, you're talking about breaking it down. I find like if I'm uh, studying for something or I'm writing something or um, whatever I'm, uh, you know, set my mind to, I, I'll be working on it. But then I'll also take little breaks where I'm not working on it, where I'm just relaxing and letting my mind, my un unconscious mind often percolate on the ideas. And um, I find, you know, it seems like I'm not really focusing. I'm not doing the work, you know, it sounds like I'm goofing off, but I'm not because I'm. I find that that time of seemingly doing nothing is just as valuable uh, as the, the time I'm, I've set my mind consciously to the task, right? Because uh, without that, I wouldn't get the information or the understanding I need to to write what I need to write or just to understand what I'm studying. So, um, you know, but it, it seems like, you know, you're, you're spending a lot of time doing nothing. But, you know, I think that's doing nothing is a very important thing sometimes. Right. Well, it's, it's not, it's reframing, not doing nothing. And this is like one of the biggest imprints. Well, I, I was, I, <laughs> I grew up with a mother who never sat down. Like the, the woman never, never sat down and she had a full-time job was the girl scout leader. And then always had a, had a side jobs. <laughs> she really never sat down perpetual doer. And like, if she ever caught you sitting down, she'd be like, you, why are we you need to be doing something? So that was an imprint that I got. So I, I had to work really diligently to remove that imprint out of my being and out of my nervous system. Because I really believe that if I slowed down, like I wasn't being productive, if I slowed down and I just, you know, quote unquote, did nothing, I wasn't going to get to where I wanted to be, like all this stuff. And so, I've, and I, so I still work this. So I'll, I'll share two things that I do. One way that I reprogrammed this is when I would get that 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 inner, I call it the inner mean girl or the inner mean dude saying, "Why are you going to be doing something? You need to be doing something. Why are you doing something?" I would say, "I am replenishing 
and replenishing is doing something. I'm resting and resting is doing something. And what Paul is talking about actually has a word. Paul, tell me if you know this word. Do you know what it means to moodle? <laughs> no, but I, I, get, I can get the idea though. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a book that comes from my page, uh, my friend Paige Britt, who actually also lives in Texas. She lives in Austin and she wrote this book. It's called The Lost Track of Time. And it's written for, it's a scholastic book. So it's written for like eighth graders, but it really is for all of us. And it's about this young girl who wants to be a writer and how her mother says, oh, that's a waste of time. You can do these other things. And she goes off and she escapes into this land of possibility where the chief moodler lives and the chief moodler has been overtaken by the evil Kronos. And so he's turned this beautiful land of possibility and imagination into this factory where the people just go in every day and they work and they work and they've like lost touch with their heart, their spirit, their soul. Sounds familiar. Um, so, so, you know, if you think about it from our perspective here for all of us that are, that are embracing consciousness, when you moodle, so I encourage you to use that word moodle, I'm moodling like we are doing God's work. We are doing the divine work. We're actually in relationship to the divine, to the universe. We're in what I call, I don't call it this, but this is what's called co-creation. It's like taking that law of attraction to another place of like, I am in a co-creative relationship with the divine and the divine is not going to talk to me if I'm busy all the time. It's, there's no, there's no phone line to get through on. So these spaces that we create are actually, you are working, you are doing the work. It's just the feminine part of you that place of stillness. It's like, it's like the tree in the winter. It's not dead. It's doing all kinds of stuff at a deeper root level so that when it emerges in the spring, it will be bountiful and beautiful. So that's why I take the whole month of January to really get clearer and I do the inner part so that as we go into February and March, I will emerge strong and vital. And I really feel like right now, especially coming into 2021, we need this more than ever. We are tired, you all, energetically tired, emotionally tired. And to be able to give yourself the space to go within and ask some of these bigger questions to yourself and really get clear about where you're being called to serve and what your part is and what's not your part so that you can then, and what you need to be supported this year and then put those parts into place so that you can emerge into the spring, into, into March stronger because we're, we're going to need to all be deeply rooted and vital and vibrant come spring. Amen to that. And one thing I want to point out, you mentioned the, you know, the eight kinds of burnout. And this book is full of things like that, folks. Um, uh, explications of various uh, ways that we maybe go off, off task, off the path, um, and, and ways we can change that and bring it back. So it's, it's very practical. There's a, a lot of information that we haven't covered today that I think you would find useful. So get go ahead and get hold of the book if you can, overwhelmed and over it. There's, there's another little mantra in here. Instead of uh, push, force, and strive, which again is that old paradigm that we've been talking about, um, it's pause, flow, pace, pace yourself. I love that. You know, that, then you'll have just as much time, energy, um, success doing that as you will by forcing things. In fact, eventually forcing things yields uh, not productive results, right? Um, and we see that on a macro level, we see it on a micro level with, with it on our own lives. And we see it out there in society right now where so many people are trying to force things to happen. 
but to pause, flow, and pace. Be be um, be a kind, be a friend to yourself, right on all levels. I love the word pace. It's one of my favorite words. Pace yourself. Don't push yourself. And it's a practice, you all. I'll just say this. This is a practice. This is so much a practice. I I, I have to practice this because left to my own devices, I'll be like, but I really want it to happen right now. And I can feel the need. I'm like, oh my God, I can feel the need. And then I want to respond. And it's actually not time. And so I'm really challenging myself to like open up to receive, allow things to come to me and then respond from that place. And that is actually how mo- most of us are actually built to work. Um, and, and, and like, that's a whole other conversation, but I think that piece that you're talking about, Paula, pace yourself, take that into this year and know the practice is notice when you're forcing or pushing pause. And then you want to ask the question, what's in the flow? What's actually in the flow and what can I reflow and focus on what matters for now and then pace yourself and take it to your life. Try it. Okay. We're at the end of the show. I'm going to tell folks about next week's show. And then Christine, why don't you give us a final thought to push us into the week to help us uh, push is the wrong word. (laughs) (laughs) Harmoniously into the week. We don't want to push anybody. Um, So be thinking about that, uh, just real short, because we just have a one minute left. Next week, uh, Kim Chesney joins me, and um, she's an author and the founder of the Intuition Lab. And we'll talk about her book, Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. So it's another wonderful show um, on similar themes to today and last week. So I'm excited about that, and I'm being excited about Uh, having Christine with us. What's your final words of wisdom for us, Christine? My final words are remember that your power comes from your heart and that heart is not just about giving to others, which it is, but also making sure you receive what you need. So get really clear this year about what you need to be supported and sustained and then create from that place. You'll be stronger and you'll have a bigger impact. And you're right, the heart... uh you know, pumps in and out, right? Just as the breath is in and out. It's all, it's all part of that beautiful harmony. We know it's not just a one-way street again. It's, uh, it's reciprocal. So yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, everybody. Many blessings. Yeah, thanks for listening, folks. And we'll uh, hopefully talk with you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.